Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. This week's Lotto to Marathon winner is Stacey Jenkins of Taylorstown, Wales. Stacy will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Chris Green, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedure, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedure. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life stories that inspire their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast, we break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe, and today we're looking at Special Victims Unit, Season 12, Episode 20, Totem. So we got a dead girl, no suspects. Maybe because we haven't considered all the possibilities. Okay, like? That our perpetrator's a woman. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. I feel super icky about being here, Kevin. Hello. Well, I, I hope it's not because of our special guest. No. All the way from Dublin, it is radio, TV broadcaster, and voiceover artist, and our special friend, Chris Green. Hello, Chris. Hi, everybody. Special friend is nice. I don't think I've been described as special friend yet by the by the podcast. So that is uh, that makes me feel warm and fuzzy in what are very tumultuous times. We have friend of the podcast and we have special friend. And then we have extra special friend. You could work your way up. I'd say he's the specialist of friends. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Rebecca. This is how you charm a you're man uh, when you're getting him ready for a, a podcast like that. That is exactly how to do it. That's why you're obviously, you know, you're the front facing brains of this operation. It's clear. It's obvious. Thank uh, you. Guys, hi. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I'm excited to be back. There's a lot going on. I mean, I was thinking, though, right? I worry, okay? I got to be honest with you guys. I worry because, Kev, Rebecca, you both always give me such a welcome. You're always so warm. We always have such a fun time. This is my third time doing this, and I know that the first time we did it, it uh, was good. Like, it was it was, it was, was solid. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was good. It was decent. The second time, I feel we really hit a stride. But I worry, like a lot of, we'll say, franchises, like a lot of, you know, trilogies of films... Like, are we all just here for the money now? Are we just going through the motions? Like, are we going to be able to bring it today? That's what I worry on this third well, we installment. Well, know you're not here for the money. Uh, neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make you guys look big. I just wanted to make it look like I'm getting a huge appearance fee for this and not just here because, you know, I like you guys. By the way, Chris, uh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Uh, yeah, it's Cinco yes. de Mayo. Oh, is yes. That, is that a big reason to drink in Dublin? Uh, is there ever not a reason? I'm sure some of the bigger hotspots like Temple Bar and everywhere will certainly have... You know what is actually really funny? I know you say that facetiously, but um, some of the cleverer 
the the more astute, industrious marketing people of Dublin. Like we've literally done that for everything now. So there's pubs that are like, "Hey, it's fucking um, Rosh Hashanah. Let's all drink." Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Cinco de Mayo. Let's all drink. Hey, are you guys here for Chinese New Year? Don't forget, we're having a special tonight for Chinese New Year. So there are certain establishments that seem to like some guy went on a Microsoft Outlook calendar and he was like, right. What can we market? <laughs> what can we make an event that isn't just drinking on a Wednesday afternoon? Do you know what I mean? What can yes. we? What? How can we intellectualize this drinking? But uh, yeah, it is Cinco de Mayo. That is, uh, of course, the Spanish for fifth of May, I believe. What else it means? I've no idea. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm out of the loop. I'm afraid. Yeah, we spent St. Patrick's Day in the Caribbean. So again, any excuse? Yes. It's everywhere. I think if they had, you know, shots during Earth Day, people would like <laughs> clean up the environment just like that. All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 12, Episode 20, Totem. Two girls running through the streets of Manhattan accidentally trip over a suitcase large enough to hide a body. The squad recognizes the victim as young Marnie Foster, found wrapped in blankets and a pillow and with a doll. Anything? Well, it looks like our perp dumped Marnie between quarter of one and two o'clock. But a truck blocked so we can't see who. I'll track down the drivers. If we're lucky, one of them saw a guy. Warner says the victim was drugged, smothered, and violated with a smooth object. Filling in for Wong is Dr. Cap Jackson, the psychiatrist whose sex addiction clinic folded after he helped Elliot go undercover earlier in the season. Good backstory, right? After detectives question all the sexual predators on the registry, meaning all three of them, Jackson poses the theory that the killer might actually be a woman. Benson, Stabler, and Jackson begin questioning the women in Marnie's life, including her mom, her basketball coach, and her piano teacher, June Fry. Jackson, who is just full of bullshit, says the killer will likely attend Marnie's funeral. Sure enough, Liv spots June there. They learned June canceled Marnie's piano lesson that day, but the girl didn't get the message and showed up. The three of them returned to the brownstone June inherited from her dead parents. While Benson distracts her, the boys find a lock of the doll's hair, a wooden spoon, a matching pillow, and the matching luggage. That's when June passes out from an overdose. Before becoming unconscious, she tells Olivia to tell Marnie's parents that she's sorry. Okay, we begin this with a scene of two girls running through the streets. We think they're fleeing someone, but they're just playing a game like Pokemon Go. Hurry up! He's gonna catch us! I'm running as fast as I can! And they have the quintessential cinematic scene where they are running, and two workers are carrying a couch to block their path. (laughs) Always. Someone is always moving a couch or a piano. Always, 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 always. Who are, who's buying all these couches? Who, who, who is buying all these couches? New York City has a thriving couch and piano and plain glass trade, it would seem, and glass pane (laughs) trade, absolutely. Can I say as well, though, it's something on that that I always find interesting. I don't know, and I don't think it's just because, obviously, us three and everyone who's a part part of this uh, wonderful podcast community. By the way, this isn't me, um, this isn't me playing to the crowd or anything. You guys have lovely fans. Every time I come on here... There's always such warmth and feedback and everything. It really is. You guys have the nicest community. Like, I know some of these podcast <laughs> and uh, broadcasting communities can be a little niche and a little twisted. Uh, like, some of them, like, you know, I go on and I get death threats after I've been on them. But you guys, it's lovely. It's really, you guys have such warm fans. But, sorry, what I was saying Why was... Why don't you walk right into a couch? Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's it's weird. It's it's weird with the whole couch thing. But I think some of the tropes and some of the, 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 the techniques 
that Law and Order relies on. If other shows did it, we tear the show apart. Like we would destroy the show. Like the show would be one of those so bad it's good kind of shows. Like especially little tricks like this, like the the um perspective where you think they're fleeing and then there's a couch and then there's all this. If other shows did this, I feel we wouldn't be as kind to them. But for some reason, I don't know if it's the style, if it's the elegance. Law and Order gets away with it. Law and Order gets away with all these, you know, somewhat hokey uh techniques. Not here, they don't. Yeah, not yeah. today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's destroy them. I keep thinking about those workers. And it's like, it's every time we move something, <laughs> someone's going to dodge. Yeah. You know, it's, this is why I quit the, the window factory. <laughs> Would you say their insurance premium is like, they must have a huge insurance premium because they're like, yeah. every time we go outside, a member of the public gets injured or runs over us or hits into us. It is the most hazardous job. It's worse than underwater welding. It's worse than working on an oil rig. Seems, it seems like we can't I'll catch a break. It would only be better if, though, they see it and they lift the couch up higher. Exactly. Yeah. So they can, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Brr, it. Yeah. Press that. like, a, like a cartoon, exactly. And then they can run under the couch. Perfect. I do have a question, though. Yeah. How the hell did Marnie's mother know where to go? Is that her? Is that my baby? Oh, look, ma'am, ma'am, you shouldn't be here. Detective no, 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 no. Oh. Does she have a scanner? <laughs> police scanner <laughs> like so the police the cops get there like Olivia just found out mm-hmm. that Marnie is in that suitcase does her mom have like a car jack on Olivia's car does she have a scanner how did she know where to go it's well she was just following the guys moving the couch oh yes I mean, that was her couch. <laughs> was her she couch. knew there was a couch moving that day she knew there was one <laughs> scheduled on that street no but that's a good point though because that wasn't their house was it no that wasn't no. their house that was no. just yeah it just showed up on a random street in New York the correct street that her daughter was found on when there's a couch being moved, there's going to yeah. be a body being found. That's what it is. That's how it is. It's a way of extrapolating where it is. So when they question all the, as they say, the local perverts, one says that he has the constitutional right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris, yes. I'm going to give you a lesson in American civics. <laughs> Excellent. That is not in the Constitution. <laughs> Whenever when someone says, I have the constitutional right, they, they never read the Constitution. Yes, that is the preamble to the Declaration of the Independence. Yeah, he argued that his pursuit of happiness is children. Mm. Yeah. That's weird. I don't know if the framers of the Constitution had that in mind when they were talking about the pursuit of happiness. Like, if we want to get into jurisprudential, you know, constitutional, uh, whatever, jurisprudence here, I'm not sure if that would be one of the interpretations the court would ever go for, if he was to hold that up in a defense. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other guy had a constitutional right to always carry the train ticket that he used yesterday around in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Can anybody account for your whereabouts yesterday? My dear old mother. I was visiting her out in Jersey. You have to come better than that, Shane. I got the train ticket to prove it. Man, Chris, if you know that the cops are just going to randomly question you, you would keep the receipts. From everything yeah, you ever I'd did? Yeah, probably if I was at, like, if I was one of those dudes, like, I probably would keep quite a paper trail of all my alibis. Like, I probably yeah. would have a certain way of, like, no, I was here drinking at the Cinco de Mayo Festival last night, boys. I don't have, you know what I mean? I have, a, I have an alibi. <laughs> but it's Chinese New Year. Yeah. <laughs> didn't one of them say, uh, didn't one of them say uh, something like, oh, I was getting a colonoscopy or something. You can see the yeah. photos or something like that, yes. Yeah, so it was, it was also that uh, witty retort. You were caught filling up a 10-year-old. But I wasn't convicted. Still, I'm pretty shocked that Hudson University didn't fire you. They can't. I have tenure. We are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. So Huang wants the day off, so he issued a apparently a request for proposals for a federal consulting contract, <laughs> and the low bidder was Cap Jackson. <sighs> <laughs> Uh, by the way, his first name is Captain. Mm. So he is Dr. Captain Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. 
<laughs> that gap was some type of nickname. Yeah, action's his middle name. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, freedom. By the way, he's in the squad for ten minutes, and he's already figured out how to use that PowerPoint machine that looks so complicated. Yes. So he can point to things up on the wall. Yes. He has a theory that, despite the statistical evidence that the killer is a man, Jackson thinks the killer is a woman. And here is his reasoning. Olivia, did you sleep with a doll when you were a child? Sure. Can you remember why? Because it made me feel safe. Olivia, did you have a doll when you were a child? Mm. (laughs) Elementary. It is the most bullshit. It is literally just a series of bullshit bullshits, okay? It's like, I think it's a woman. Here's why. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's a woman. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other reason. He just like, here's why I think it's a woman. And if it's a woman, she would have done this, which again proves that it would have been a woman. <laughs> yeah, he's reverse engineering the answer or whatever you call it. Like he's just like putting all of this uh, into, he's trying to, I will say, dress up the conclusion he's already arrived at uh, mm-hmm. a long while ago. And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll hang some, uh, I'll hang some big sounding words on this. I'll, uh, I'll intellectualize it a little bit. I'll try and make it sound a little more robust. And uh, that is literally all he's done. And I believe it's, a, it's something like, Olivia says something very surprisingly trite for Olivia. She says something like, the doll makes me feel safe or something, doesn't she? She says, uh, yeah, she says something that it almost felt out of character for Olivia. If I'm honest with you, yeah. I- Jackson has one crazy supposition after another, and then <laughs> Benson at first, right? She doesn't believe the killer's a woman, and then five minutes later, she's saying the way she treated Marnie shows genuine feelings of tenderness. Our purpose abused herself. Yeah. Oh, the killer was victimized herself. That's right. Mm-hmm. Totally, <laughs> totally absorbed it. He's very hypnotic in his delivery. He's mm-hmm. able to convince anyone of anything. I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. That's hey, Cap Jackson's power. Speaking of, like, and don't get me wrong, like, this is no shade to Jeremy Irons. I absolutely love Jeremy Irons. He's a cool guy. But um, there's a thing that I, pr- pr- uh, you guys might notice with him. It's certainly something that I notice here. But I think it's called something like received pronunciation, how those dudes talk. Yes. And it's like, it's, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, so instead of saying, like, is, is issue, which is what I would say, there is an issue, he says, like, if you. He says, it's quite an issue here. <laughs> and he does it yes. as well. Very unfortunately, he does it with the word sexual. So it gets very, if you actually hear it, you then can't unhear it because he's like, sexual. Uh, <laughs> Women who sexually abuse girls are different, Olivia. <laughs> to hypnotic as he is, Rebecca, the, the sexual takes me out of it somewhat. I want him to try and drop that received pronunciation on sexual. He, he also did it in his Oscar-winning performance as Klaus von Bülow in Reversal of Fortune. Well, how about this? How about we get right into our cast? All right. It's our very special guest star... It's Mr. Jeremy Irons. Correct. I heard he said sexual in The Lion King as well, but they had to take it out. (laughs) They kept being like, Simba, this is very sexual, but they had to uh, cut it out before they were able to release it. It was very unfortunate. You know you said that I didn't know anything about how you feel. Well, you're wrong. I do know. I know about pain within families. Uh, Oscar Tony Emmy Award winner playing Cap Jackson. Uh, Academy Award for Rebecca's favorite movie, Reversal of Fortune. Klaus von Bülow. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Chris, I'm not sure if you know this, but Alan yep. Dershowitz, his reputation did not fare so well in the years after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, neither, yeah. neither did Ron Silvers, by the way, who played no. Alan Dershowitz. <laughs> so Jeremy Irons, he recently played Alfred to Ben Affleck's Batman, 
the wicked pisser Batman. Mm. And he was the voice, as you said, of Scar in The Lion King. He's listed in the soundtrack as having sung the songs Be Prepared and I've Got a Lovely Bunch of Coconuts. Mm. Although the rumor was he did not sing them. Mm. There is a prominent movie trailer voice actor who takes credit. Wow. Klaus. Although it's weird because he he was in My Fair Lady. He does have a singing voice. Yeah. But. yeah. The rumor is also that he didn't kill his wife, Sonny. Oh, that's true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because that was really the first like big thing I I saw. I remember seeing him in. I mean, that's like where, that thing that everyone I, mean, I really got to know him for. Mm-hmm. He, But he was just playing Jeremy Irons playing Klaus von yeah. Doom. <laughs> he really is the same in everything. Is Scar. He's Jeremy Irons playing Scar. In this, he's Jeremy Irons playing Cap Jackson, right? He's just like yeah. one of those actors who's always Absolutely. just Jeremy Irons doing that thing. It's amazing. See, one of the things I love about Law and Order is I never feel like, apart from when ridiculous tropes like there's a couch crossing the street are happening, I don't ever feel like I've been taken out of it. And very often, especially with cameos, I mean, they can be risky. You know what I mean? When you get a cameo, especially if it's a big megastar like him, it can take you out of it. But he doesn't, his performance doesn't take me out of it. So Jeremy Irons right now lives in County Cork. He owns Kilco Castle. What? Yeah, uh, a castle which he then painted pink mm. to the pleasure, I'm sure, of everyone. Yeah. Cork's only like two hours down the road. I should go visit him. Me, me yeah. and him yeah. should hang out. Should tell, we should have tried to get him on this podcast. I'm Apparently sorry. Apparently you look for the pink castle with the rainbow and the unicorn. Is he like trying to find that pot of gold? Is that why? Sounds like. It's why it looks like he's in Mario Kart. Sounds like. I must uh, make a point now trying to run into him. That would be very exciting. I met him once, actually, at some film festival. He was he was a cool guy. Oh. I've never name drop. I should name drop more. Sorry. I, you I don't should name drop more. I know, Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. Jeremy Irons was on RTE Irish television, and he said that his guilty pleasure is sifting through dumpsters in search of discarded treasures. Sounds tracks. Tracks. It tracks. Yeah, yeah, totally. This is what I'm saying. This is what they do when they come over. Yeah. It's, this is how they behave. We have a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm. Hey, it's that girl. Can you name for me the actress playing June Fry? My dad came into my room at bedtime. He told me how special I was. That I was the most important thing in his life, and he wanted to give me a present. Is, is she the girl from Lost? She is. Oh, Do you know okay. her name? Elizabeth Mitchell. Ah, I knew Elizabeth. That was as far as I was going to get. Yeah, she's. Uh, I recognize her. She's a. She's a cool girl. I think she was in ER as well, wasn't she? I. I don't know if she was in. Maybe she, I think she was briefly in ER, but she was also in uh, The Expanse. The Expanse. Recently. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, Emmy nominee for playing Juliet in Lost. Her longtime boyfriend was Gary Bakewell. She played Linda, and he played Paul McCartney. In the Linda McCartney story. That's how they got together. I can see that. That works. Her big break was in 1994 when she starred in a Hertz rent-a-car commercial (laughs) along with O.J. Simpson. Oh, you knew you were going to say that. (laughs) God damn it. We all start somewhere, Kev. That commercial, (laughs) for some reason, got taken down. Is it where he's running through the airport, jumping over suitcases? With his gloves on? That one? Yeah, probably. He's evading somebody. Is he not yeah, driving through the right airport there. in a white Bronco? Is he not like just plowing through <sighs> the, the foyer of the That's airport? That's what he was renting. I'm sure yeah. it was a white Bronco. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know the actress playing the mother, Elaine Fry Kavanaugh? You mean discount Sherry Stringfield? Yes. No. I tried to instill discipline in June. Do well in school, practice your piano. And Roger would come right along behind me and spoil her with candy and sleepovers. Uh, that is 
Lisa Barnes. She was in Gone Girl, Young Guns, and Cocktail. She played the mother in the horrible TV movie Mother May I Sleep with Danger. Ooh. Uh, famous, <laughs> famous role. By the way, she died tragically last year. She was critically oh, injured in a motor scooter hit-and-run accident in oh, New terrible. York. Oh. She was crossing Amsterdam Avenue. This was like a really big story, in New, big local story in New York City. Brian Boyd faces charges of manslaughter and negligent homicide. Oh, Jesus. So, oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, a motor scooter. That's crazy. Yeah, they're very popular here now as well. I have one of those. I haven't run over any people with it, but I, I do own one. It's, I can say I was not ways. in New York, though, at the time, so I, I'm ruled out of that. I have an alibi. You have an alibi. I'm like that guy with the train ticket. ticket. Yeah, here's the receipt yeah. for the scooter I bought. I bought it in Dublin. See, I couldn't have been here kind of thing. So. <laughs> so do you know the actress playing the sassy piano student who spotted the woman with the cane? No. She was like my grandma's age. She had a cane, too. So, like, she goes limping up the stoop with June, and I'm like, whatever, later... Her name is Dylan Galula. Uh, she's best known as Jane Krakowski's daughter on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yeah. So okay. she had something after that. She dropped out of high school after frequent absences and was told that she needed to repeat her senior year, to which she said, you obviously don't understand this pattern I'm in. <laughs> I'm not going to come back more after I've been out. Yeah. Yeah. The indicator of, that I, of my attendance is probably that I will be attending less as time goes on. I hear you. Yeah. You see that pattern. Yeah. yeah. Elementary. <laughs> By the way, did you recognize, lastly, the actor playing Craig, the pedophile whose alibi was he was having a colonoscopy? No. Where were you yesterday? Having a camera shoved up my ass. Colonoscopy. Want to see the pictures? Okay, that guy's name is Wayne Scherzer. He hit the Law & Order franchise trifecta with three appearances. He's currently a talent agent in New York. He was the voice of Lumpy in Pound Puppies. Great. I don't know why they sold puppies by the pound, but apparently they did. They do it by the KG now, I think. They're more trying to be more... (laughs) So Jackson's criminal profile says that the killer, who is a woman, will go to Marnie's funeral. By the way, I'm just going to say, I thought that was a pretty big coffin for a fake dead kid. Yes. They didn't have to get the full-size coffin. Correct. Uh, Probably harder to get a kid coffin prop, if you understand me. Like, they were probably like, oh, we have loads of these other ones. I mean, we can just use one of these. Surely no one's going to notice. Surely they're not going to be dissecting this 15 years later, I'm sure. (laughs) sure It's SVU, SVU, so they have, like, the baby ones and the big ones. Sure, yeah. They don't have any ones in the middle. It's... Yeah, these these are fake kid, dead kids, by the way, right? Kevin? That's right. Fake yes. dead kids. Sorry, I'm sorry, everyone. Fake. Yeah, no, this is there is no actual victim here of this joke. I get what you're saying, yes. Rebecca. This is yeah. Also, uh, Olivia was wearing a cocktail dress to that funeral, by the I, way. Which can I, I say notice. something? That backless <laughs> number with the zips. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Who the fuck wears a dress like this to a funeral of a child? <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. I thought maybe I was over-sexualizing the situation. Nope. No, okay. That was totally inappropriate, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah all right. Uh, she had cleavage. It what? Yeah, I know. She looks fantastic. Yep. She looked hot. Hot, hot, I've hot. never been so excited by a funeral. I know. I was, <laughs> what is going on? So, you know you know, you know, know the way sometimes actually that trope they have where they, they all get called in from an event they're at? And like yes. they're wearing ball gowns and stuff. This she doesn't that, look that good. No, she doesn't even look that good when she's been at those things. She looked better at this yeah. funeral. God almighty. That's right. Of course, the only possible reason that June would have gone to the funeral was that she was a killer. No other reason at all. No. Elementary. Sure, couldn't have been to pay respects to the kid. Yeah. Not yeah. that yeah. she knew her yeah. or anything. Yeah. Like, 
Elliot, she's here and she's not wearing a, a ball gown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her dress code really screams to me somebody who's guilty of murder. Do you know what I mean? It's just she's not as done up as me. And now. she suspiciously has flowers suspiciously at a funeral. <laughs> oh, guilty, guilty, guilty. Benson and Stabler and Jackson go back to June's brownstone that she inherited from her parents. And Stabler looks at the old magazines and the stuff, and he says, it's like time stopped 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what's happened. No one has tuned that piano in 30 years. <laughs> hey! <laughs> she teaches on that? Yeah. Mm. It's like she's in an Old West honky-tonk. It's like she's in a bordello. Yeah, I know what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I like Jackson's like totally Hannibal Lecter moment where he was like, was that etude number three? <laughs> was that the etude number three? You make it sound so easy. Whenever I play Chopin, I always manage to butcher it. <laughs> I'm Dr. Jackson. Yeah. I remember, remember Hannibal Lecter was like, I was like, I'm playing Glenn Gould's Goldberg variations. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I know we know, we now know he's not a criminal or whatever, but like, he totally like acts like one in every conceivable way in this episode. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. He goes in, Chris, and he says... I'll have a cup of tea. (laughs) If a stranger walked in your house and asked you for a cup of tea, what would you do? If it was Jeremy Irons, like if it was someone with his level of presence, I might almost, as Rebecca said, just be like, oh, fuck, I better go make him a cup of tea. But in general, (laughs) no. You see, this is why I think they could have expanded more on him. I think there could have been a darker edge to him because he's also very manipulative. Yeah. Like he's he is a he is there is an edge to him in the show. There's an edge to his character and there's a very, I won't say quite abusive, but there is a very domineering, manipulative edge to him that maybe they could have explored. And you see it mm. when he, when he, the way he speaks to her and the way he kind of commands her around the place. And later on, I don't want to jump ahead, but in the interrogation, how he does it again. He's very manipulative there. By the way, on the floor, Stabler finds a lock of doll hair. <gasps> Why is that on the floor? Did someone get into a struggle with the doll? <laughs> <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. June awakens in the hospital but refuses to tell Benson and Jackson what happened to Marnie in her home. June, we found the suitcase that you threw out. It matches the duffel that Marnie was found in. There was a wooden spoon inside. No, please, 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 The sleeping pills that you tried to kill yourself with are the same ones in Marnie's stomach. And we found hair in your living room that matches the doll that was left with her. Leave me alone. June, I know you love Marnie. To give her parents some peace. Finn says the lab can't get DNA or anything else. It looks like the only way to get June is to elicit a confession. So instead of having members of the elite squad to do this every fucking day, they say, <laughs> why don't you give it a try, Doc? 
June tells Jackson the doll was a gift from her father, who used to get into bed with her. June claims that she gave Marnie the pills, did the thing with the spoon, and killed her when she threatened to tell. She placed the doll with her for safekeeping and left her at a church to be found. Later, Benson, Stapler, and Jackson overhear June praying for forgiveness from all those who needed her comfort. That means there must be other victims among her piano students. One girl tells Elliot she saw a woman with a cane arguing with June the day of the murder. Olivia learns June's mother, Elaine, isn't dead. She's alive and remarried. Perhaps it's her, not June's father, who was the abuser. Did Elaine come over to help June after the murder, or was she already there? As the detectives confront Elaine over her involvement in the murder, June's half-sister, Katie, runs screaming from the parlor. Liv finds her locked in the closet of what Katie says is her bedroom. That's when Elaine comes in and says it's her bedroom, and the light bulbs turn on. Now, because you can't put the cart before the horse too many times in this episode, Benson and Stabler spring the confessed killer from prison and then question Katie about the crime. She tells the cops that she found Marnie waiting to see June, so she let the girl in. That's when she did all the dirty business. Kate will go to a psych facility, Mom will go to jail for the ongoing abuse, and June asks how she'll ever forgive herself for destroying her family. That's when Jackson says... You can start by letting me help you try, because they're obviously not going to be hiring me again. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to need to have some other leads in the pipeline once this has occurred. By the way, this is the last episode in which Tamar Tooney is a series regular. Boo. Uh, She comes back listed as a guest star. I think that B.D. Wong probably already had his last regular series appearance. He does come back. We are also only four more episodes before Chris Maloney will leave the show. I, you know what? I don't blame any of these people for leaving after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am fucking out of here. This that- was the straw that did it. I hear you. They were just like, you know what? Having to indulge that for for, uh, for 43 minutes was an indignity. Oh. I didn't. Yeah, of course. Tamara Tooney. I forgot about that. And she's the OG in this, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has been as effective and as elegant and as poised a uh, coroner as, as Tamara Tooney. Shout out to her. So they let Dr. Captain Jackson... Start the interrogation of June before she says she wants a lawyer. And then Jackson questions the detectives about this, and Stabler says, You cannot tell her that she doesn't need a lawyer. But what difference does that make? It's the difference between giving us a confession that we can use in court and one we can't. You can't tell her she doesn't need a lawyer. Really? You do that all the time. Yes. And they're very concerned about him getting, like, fruit of the poisonous tree evidence. They were not concerned about that when they brought him to the fucking house and were letting him search around the house for evidence. That pantomime yeah. with the three of them where there's tea being made and they're rummaging through the bins and they're opening stuff and like anything that's... I know they try and cover it with the anything that was in plain sight. He does say that when he's in there. Mm-hmm. But it's still, as you say, he's constantly... He uh, goes against all of the Miranda rights. He goes against basically every uh, uh, really uh, elementary tenant of, uh, of being a police officer. And also, um, I would have imagined, surely... Cap would have had some experience with this. Surely Cap would have known about the whole lawyer thing and everything, given that he seems so absolutely focused on ethics and uh, protection of clients. I'm sure he's aware that if she asks for a lawyer, that it causes complications. Hasn't he ever watched TV, though? Yeah. I I mean, if you ever watched TV, that would be a thing that you would know. I nearly know how to be an American lawyer at this point. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, meantime, like in a previous episode, they're like, do I need a lawyer? And Sabler would be like, well, only guilty people need a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. Do you need one? Only babies need a lawyer. Only silly yeah. little babies need a lawyer. You're not a silly baby. Yeah. Well, it's in the Constitution. <laughs> It's in the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> right? George Washington said every man is allowed a lawyer uh, while pursuing That's happiness right. and It's in the Magna Carta. Yeah. <laughs> so they listen in on June praying for forgiveness. Please hear me when I ask you to comfort Marnie's precious soul and the souls of those that needed my comfort and protection. All of those that needed comfort and protection? Talking about Marnie's murder may have triggered her memory. She's confessing to more victims? How many lives has she ruined? Mm. Another super assumption. By the way, Chris, you can tell that Elliot is not actually Catholic if he thinks that that's what that means. <laughs> assumption. Right. Yeah. Um, it's weird because Elliot is sometimes weirdly devoutly Catholic in this show, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And seems to even know some of the, we'll say, milestones and everything like that. And then, he, as you say, he says other things that you say, that's not a man who has gone through the rigorous upbringing of yeah. Catholicism like myself and Kevin would have gone through that is for sure yeah that is for sure like you hear him say like forgive us our trespasses and he'd be like hmm who's she been trespassing <laughs> yeah, with? yeah 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 <laughs> who lady who art in heaven is there a lady yeah. who art in heaven stealing bread every day <laughs> <laughs> who eats bread every day Every with a day. guilty conscience. <laughs> Why would you want that? <laughs> Next in we're going to hear he thinks that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are three yeah. different people. This game. <laughs> Heard you guys were partying with the Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. Want to tell me uh, about that? Rico charge yeah. here, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they visit Mom and Katie, and Katie freaks out, and she runs into, by the way, a very spacious walk-in closet. Very yes. well appointed. And then... Is this your bedroom? Yes. Leave my little girl alone. Get out of my bedroom. Your bedroom? She just said it was hers. Oh, my God. And then everyone looks around wide-eyed like that gif of the monkey puppet going, What? (laughs) (laughs) They're sleeping in the same bed. I've just deduced that. Wait a second. Yes. It was creepy. Yeah. Yes. Is that why they had that quilt hanging on the wall in the house? Because there was no second bed in the house to put it on? That's what I was wondering. Uh, that house, by the way, was huge. You know there yeah. were other bedrooms. What were they yeah, doing with that? There were the some other sleeping solutions and arrangements that they could have, they could have <laughs> managed they there if they had them. wanted to. Yeah, the fold-out couch yeah. even. There are a lot of ick moments in this episode, and that was one of them. That's you say, Mom, I saying. want my alarm clock on that side. Oh, God. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, these are fictional. I know. Fictional victims. I know. It's also like, hey, hold on, I have to have my CPAP over here. Oh God. Yeah. Jeez. Can you turn that down? My sleep apnea. I know like I know it's I know it's disruptive. I know it's bothering, but if I wear the mask, it's much better. So just adjust uh, yourself to the low hum of this machine. And if I feel if I ever seem like I've stopped breathing, just kind of punch me in the chest or Hit me with a wooden spoon. I know there's a few of those lying around, so you can probably... Oh I think we'd be making fewer jokes if Olivia hadn't worn that cocktail dress to that funeral. I'm she lowered the tone. I'm you. sorry. She opened the door. <laughs> to use more legal jargon, she opened the door to this with that cocktail dress. All right. That changed the tone of the episode completely as far as I'm concerned. It turned it into something much more blue, something much more lurid than it had to be. <laughs> One dangling thread, though. Mm. I mean, that's important to me and yes. no one else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is the deal with the inherited house? 
Like her mother's still alive, right? <laughs> yes, that's a great I, point. It, 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 the, the creepiness is when you think the parents are dead, that the house yeah. is like that. So her dad died, left the house just to her, and was she able to there's kick a, the mother out? There's I'm, a real probate issue here yeah. that needs true, to be investigated. Are, are, yeah. we, are we supposed true, to believe they, they that? They need to litigate it. Are, are we supposed to believe that this piano teacher, like we saw how she is, was like, Mom... You need to get out now. That no fucking way did that happen. I'm going to tell this really domineering woman uh, who's clearly in terrifying and we're all terrified of that this is my house now and I'm going to get yes. her to move out and live in an apartment in New Jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. You're right. That is You'll a little You'll never odd. tune that piano again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did she get to keep the New York brownstone? That's a great point. Mm. What's going yeah. on here? Well, too many bedrooms. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, obviously. Exactly. Too difficult to manage. Too much space. It's easier to have one bedroom there and we'll just, uh, easier to manage, easier to clean. So they rush to Rikers and they say to June, okay, your mom's sleeping with your half-sister, so you obviously were abused and you aren't the real killer. Come on, we're going home. Yes. You don't belong in here, June. You never did. Guard! Take me back! The only place you're going is home. No, I did a terrible thing yes, there. we know. You put Marnie in the duffel, but you didn't kill her. Wow. It's not like they're springing her for DWI. Okay. These are the same cops, by the way, that sometimes when they are given a preponderance of evidence <laughs> that someone didn't do it, they're like, yeah, but we just know he did, man. We yeah. know he mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Have you ever seen the Mike Tyson episode? Like when they're, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, or like other episodes where they're like a hundred percent sure, hundred percent sure, like yeah, but you know we arrested that guy, we know he did it, man, we know he mm. did it. Is there nothing we yeah. can hold him on? There's always that please. <laughs> like, is there nothing we can hold yes. him on at all? Casey, come on, do something here. Surely you can drum him up on some some technicality. And then they're just like, oh yeah, do you know what? We'll actually escort you to the door. Like even the 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 bureaucracy of getting out of prison would probably take a few <laughs> days. It's probably not. Yes. They can just be like, oh, Jesus, you know what? We did put the wrong person in prison. Go on out there now. We'll open the door for you. Don't worry about that. Sorry about that. We'll give you back your clothes. You yes. want to know why the wrong people end up on death row? This is why. Yes. Yeah, I know it's Dude, terrifying. There, I was just I just read an article yesterday. This guy in Georgia, his conviction was overturned. He has to apply to be let out yeah, of prison. Yeah, and he's innocent. He's been overturned. The lad's still in prison. Exactly. It's my point. It's not funny, but it is true. He yes. literally has to apply to be sure. let out. The prison's like, well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, let me. Oh, God, I don't know. We're pretty pretty, pretty swamped here. We'll see if yeah. we can let you out within the next few minutes. We'll probably won't execute you anyway, if that makes you feel yeah. any better. You know they could use the bed. Sure. Oh, I would have thought that God. was an urgent issue. By the way, at one point, June says... This is all my fault. And they say, none of this is your fault. And I'm like, well, some of this is your fault. Yeah, maybe you could have installed yeah. a second lock on that door, June. Did you have to confess to it? <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not blameless here. Like, let's be fair. I mean, there's definitely, you could have perhaps alerted people of this a little sooner. I Look, I know that's very difficult to say now, but certainly to say none of it's your fault, I hear you guys. Yeah, there's a, I mean, come on. Mm, yeah. I calling mean, the cops, maybe? They did use your luggage. It still had the little address tag on it from Correct. the last time you yes. were on United. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I got to say, I'm shocked that for this whole episode, they had a doll and no one said to point on the <gasps> doll. That's a real trope they missed out on. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer... Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. No. It's time for a rip from the headlines. No. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the headlines. Plot points for this episode are taken from the 2009 murder of Sandra Cantu. Surveillance video in her California mobile home park captured the nine-year-old girl walking to a friend's house before disappearing. A massive search of the area turned up nothing, but a week later, while draining a pond, Sandra's body was discovered inside a suitcase. The autopsy said she'd been drugged, beaten, sexually assaulted and smothered. An FBI profiler said the killer was a young white man who collected child pornography. That's why they gave little mind to the actions of the neighbourhood Sunday school teacher. The day of the disappearance, Melissa Huckabee texted Sandra's mum to say someone stole her luggage. Later, Huckabee said she found a note saying the girl was locked in a suitcase and thrown in the water near where she was eventually found. Eyewitnesses spotted a nervous Huckabee near the pond after the kidnapping. At the Sunday school, investigators discovered a bloody rolling pin in the kitchen. Melissa Huckabee confessed to killing Sandra with a noose made from torn cloth. She took a plea to avoid the death penalty and is now serving a life sentence at the Central California Women's Facility. So profiling is so magical when it works, (laughs) but, I mean, really, it's an educated guess, but because they made the assumption it was a man, they might never have homed in on a woman. Okay, so we're saying this woman said her suitcase was stolen, Yeah, that she received a note, and that's where the body ended up being. There was a witness who saw her by the pond, and they still said, oh, it was probably a man. Probably the guy. No, this is really good. Oh, profiling. <laughs> this is good stuff. My you know favorite what profiling, junk science. You know what? Yeah. Speaking of junk science, you know what profiling reminds me of? Political punditry. Do you remember <laughs> Do you remember before the 2016 election? There yes. was like 99% chance Hillary's going to win. Nothing to worry about. Uh, after that, <laughs> literally after that one thing, I put um, that into the junk science category. I was like, if you guys can get something that wrong, what you do isn't a science. Yeah, yes. exactly. One of the first suspects was a man who two years earlier had kissed the girl on the lips when she was six years old. Mm. I got to say, fuck that trailer park, man. This is a yeah. bad place. Yeah, it's Jesus. It's a cursed place. Whoa. It's a cursed place. Yeah, there's a bad energy. How did Huckabee get in trouble? Well, she made the classic mistake of giving a newspaper interview. Oh, uh, she told the reporter details that weren't public. But this is interesting. We didn't find out this till later. The police were recording the phone call okay. with the reporter. They had already had a wiretap on Huckabee's phone. Okay. So it wasn't like they read the newspaper and saw this the stuff that which mm-hmm. a lot of people assumed. Later on it was no, they actually were suspicious of the woman who said, My suitcase was stolen and the body's <laughs> probably in it and the body pro- was. Yeah. So they finally said, Let's how about we tap her phone? Yeah. 
But I still feel kind of uncomfortable that it was, you know, talking with a reporter when it happened. I, I mean, that's they didn't tap the reporter's phone. That no, would have been didn't. a different. That yeah. would have been a different. So this was like one of those killers who actually like wanted to get caught, right? Or that, or she wanted the attention. Well, Chris, at the sentencing, the prosecutor said he believed the motive was that Huckabee wanted attention. Yeah, I feel like there are like there's so many other factors, including mental illness, that saying that. It was for attention is reductive. I think to bring it to, I think to commit a crime, like I do, like as in, you know, sometimes I, I tweet something stupid for attention. We could argue mm. that's something you do for attention. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this quite is uh, in the realm of, of, of attention seeking. As you say, it is reductive. It's uh, totally overly simplistic. Uh, I think, though, with a lot of these people, it's, it's amazing how you said it. And it's because, of course, she was divulging details and she was kind of talking about it and inserting herself into it. Uh, these people, like even Prince Andrew is a perfect example. They do not seem to be able to stop talking about the things that they do. And they seem to <laughs> yes. think that they're so charismatic and magnetic and, and intelligent that, no, 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 once you hear me talk, of course you're not going to think yeah. I did this. I'll be able to convince you. I'm much smarter than you. I'm much smarter than everybody. I also do think with these people, there is an element of that, that yeah. they just genuinely a- think they're ahead of the game. Yeah. Would a guilty person tell you that I am definitely not guilty? <laughs> Would of a guilty this person crime? tell you they probably used the bag that was stolen from me and that's where her body is? I don't think so. That would be no. an outlandish thing for a guilty person to say. Who would do that? <laughs> Huckabee's alibi, though, for being at the irrigation pond the day of the disappearance, being spotted by two people there, she sure. said she had to pee <laughs> outside in broad daylight, 100 feet from the church. Chris, this wasn't St. Patrick's Day oh, or Chinese New Year. I hear you. Yeah, it wasn't one of our, our uh, one, of, uh, one of our celebrations or revelries where we could do things like that in public. It's also, but again, I really think that goes back to the whole Prince Andrew idea that these people simply think I am playing 4D chess here. I'm so intelligent. Oh, I have an answer for everything, and my answer for that is I was I needed to piss in a, this place, as you say, in those incredibly limited circumstances where you would have probably not used as a bathroom or you know as a, as an area to relieve yourself. But again, they just think that that that. That'll, that'll apply. They think that that's fine. They think, no, I, I, I can say this. People will believe me. I guess that's just par for the course for that trailer park. Uh, yeah. Bad People pissing energy. in the... Yeah, yeah exactly. Bad, 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 bad energy. energy. That place. Yeah. Man, that's going to do it for us. We want to thank our extra special guest. <gasps> uh, friend of the podcast. I climbed in status. Oh, my goodness. Even throughout the course of this one uh, episode I've climbed, I am so excited. That is a wonderful... Chris Green, how can our our listeners follow you online? So, I mean, um, as I said, you guys really do have a wonderful community. Uh, It's it's a really nice, uh, good vibe. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm I'm, uh, Hey Chris Green on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on all of that. I believe if we are supposed to cross paths, that we will. And a lot of your followers do. Like, once I've been on here, they always, you know, will either tweet me or Instagram me or something and be like, um, hey, great fun. And uh, shout out to you. It was a very exciting podcast. So I'm sure we'll find each other there. I certainly hope so. Rebecca Lavoie, I hope you also come back. Uh, I probably will, <laughs> although I have my doubts after having to talk about this awful episode of SVU. Oh, wait till next week. Oh, will you also God. be wearing the dress, Rebecca? Sorry, um, if that's like the, the, the Olivia <laughs> well, dress. We're monkey in the basketball, so at least yeah. it's not that one. I am at Reb Lavoie. And you can tweet to uh, me at Kevin P. Flynn or tweet to us at Law & Order Podcast or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy and Lily Flynn handles the promotions. 
get ad-free episodes and visit their stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in the podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. Go to lawandorderpodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.